This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. This is the time of year I do the same Christmas lesson I've done for 20 years in this Sunday school class. But every year I change it. This, this chart I'm going to be using here in a minute is actually 12 years old. It's time for a new one, but it's very easy to understand once I get into it. But uh, there's some things in Scripture that are hidden that most people just overlook about the Christmas season. And I've titled the lesson today, The Miracle from Abiah. Do y'all know who Abiah is? Anybody? Well, we're going to get into it. Let's go to Luke chapter 1 first. Okay. I don't know if they're going to put those up or not. Y'all go follow me in Scripture because I'm on. If not, I've got a lot of them to go. I guess not. Luke 1. Now Luke wrote two books. He wrote the book of Acts and he wrote the book of Luke. In, in Acts, when Paul had his conversion, he was astonished with that. and He began to follow Paul on most of his journeys and wrote everything down. So as Luke wrote the book of Acts, he was choreographing the journeys and life of Paul for one reason. He had a man that he just was, was, was so close to. His name was Theophilus. He addressed both of these letters to Theophilus. Now let me, uh, let's read Luke 1, 1. And, uh, this is Luke writing to, to Theophilus. And I'll tell you who he is in just a second. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most assuredly believed amongst us. What he's saying, there's a whole lot of people that's written down this story about Christ. But let me tell you what I've seen and I've witnessed and we're assuredly believed because we were eyewitnesses. Now he's writing to Theophilus. He said, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Now there's two in, uh, in, in the Hebrew archives, they've listed two people that were Theophilus. One of them was the great Lord that was a leader in the city of Antioch during the time of Luke. They can't concretely put together which one of these Theophilus that he was addressing to, but Luke was a physician. And he, he so it, it, if you, if you follow it, it's more than likely that relationship was a physician relationship with him. The Theophilus, this is the most interesting part because this is what's got most information on. Theophilus was the son of Ananus, the brother of Eleazar, not the Eleazar in Chronicles, brother of Jonathan, Matthias, and Ananias, who also, all who served as high priests. So Theophilus, this Theophilus had four brothers that all served as a high priest. His brother, he was, he was brother-in-law of Joseph Caiaphas, who was the high priest for, that Jesus appeared to. His son, Theophilus' son was named Matthias, not Matthew the disciple, apostle. Son was Matthias and served as a next to the last high priest before the destruction of the, the temple by the Romans. 
Here's the interesting part. I thought it was interesting anyway. Archaeologists have uncovered and discovered an ossuary. An ossuary is where there was no room in the tombs. It's O-S-S-U-A-R-Y. So they would bury their loved ones, and when after decomposition would, would, would happen, they would dig up the bones and put them in a little box called an ossuary. And then they could stack the boxes in a, one tomb, kind of like they do at the VA in, in the ground, but uh, that's what they would do. They would bury their loved ones, let, the, let it decay, dig up all the bones and put them in an ossuary. Now they found an ossuary. Had on the inscription on it. Johanna, which is Johanna, Johanna, daughter of Jonathan, son of Theophilus, the high priest. This was inscripted on this ossuary. So, so the, the archaeologists evidence uncovered an ossuary which had the inscription Johanna. And this is not the Johanna. They couldn't pin the base specifically say that this was the Joanna that Jesus healed of the one that went to the tomb of Jesus. It could have been. Daughter of Jonathan, which was the son of Theophilus, the high priest. Now that, that was, that's inscripted on this thing. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, so he, this could be the connection between Luke when he was writing this letter. He said, had a, such a burden for this man and you could see through the teachings of it. We use the teachings today with our own study, but this letter and the book of Acts, let me read, let me jump to Acts real quick. John, Acts, and then I'll jump, then we'll get right into the meat of what we'll, we'll talk about. What does this got to do with Christmas? It's everything. You'll see. This is the starting of Acts. The former treaties which I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after through after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So the entire book of Acts was written to this one man by the apostle Luke. Or not apostle, he was an apostle. By Luke, the physician. So we're going to go right back here and uh, let's start back again and then we'll jump to the Old Testament and show you where this is tied in. For as much as many as taken in hand to set forth the order of the declaration of those things which are most surely believed amongst us, even as they delivered them to us from the beginning, which were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. This is why these the, 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 in the Hebrew archives kind of pinpoint they, they wouldn't just call an ordinary man most excellent, so he had to be one of the two. And uh, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mayest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And I'm trying to tell you, it's real. It's true. All of it's true. Listen closely. And this is a letter. To, he's trying to win this. And the does, Bible doesn't say whether Theophilus ever accepted Christ. But it wasn't because he didn't know. Okay, here we go. The Christmas story. This is really, really cool, if you can follow me on it. We got times and, and dates and, and things to, that, that can back by this. I won't have time to really dig deep into it. But there was in the days, this is Luke chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest 
named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. Okay, remember this right here. Of the course of Abiah. 99% of the people in the Christian church let this verse right here go clean over their heads. The course of Abiah. Me, I learned from that man right there. What does that mean? What is the course of Abiah? Okay, let's, uh, let me keep, continue on. And his wife was of, was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances, blameless. Okay, Second Chronicles, chapter 24. You really got to follow me on this class, but I'm going to pull my chart out. Okay, Second Chronicles, chapter 23 first. Okay, For chapter 23 of First Chronicles, chapter 23, verse 25. For David said, the Lord God gives Israel rest, hath given rest unto all the people that may dwell in Jerusalem forever. And also unto the Levites, they shall no more carry the tabernacle. What he's saying is they're not, when, when we're here, we're going to set up the tabernacle. It's going to be there. When the temple's built, all this stuff is going into the temple. But for right now, we're not going to wander around anymore carrying this tabernacle, putting it up, putting it down every feast day. We're going to set it up. It's going to stay there. And this is where it's going to be, right here. And this is where the temple's going to be built. No more, and he said unto the Levites, thou shalt no more carry the tabernacle, nor any vessels of it thereof. For the last words of David, the Levites were numbered from 20 years old and above. Because their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron. This is really important to this Christmas story. Watch this. Their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron. You got to remember there's thousands and thousands and thousands of priests, Levites, the whole tribe of Levites. They were all priests. But when the temple was built, as a total instruction given, the sons of Aaron were, were to, to handle the order of service and generations down from them, they take over the, the service. The sons of Aaron, and there's many of them. Not, they, there was not many directed to Aaron. Aaron had four. Okay. Because their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron for the service of the house of the Lord in the courts, in the chambers, and purifying of holy things, and the work and the service of the Lord. Okay, verse chapter 24. These are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Now I've got the verse somewhere. Nadab and Abihu, they were in the tabernacle doing burning incense. And it was kind of like self-willed. They took incense that, got, that was not in the order of service and they just started burning incense before the Lord. And the Lord struck them down immediately. Let me, uh, let me find that real quick because I don't like to say anything that I can't back. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 10 real quick. I'll try to be as quick as I can with this. There's another whole story behind this that I don't, I don't want to teach on, them, on Nadab this morning. Leviticus chapter 10 verse 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them in the censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not to do. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Okay, so Aaron had four sons directly. So two of them are dead. So here we go. And 
Therefore, Eliezer, this is chapter 24, verse 2 of First Chronicles. Therefore, Eliezer and Ithamar executed the priest's office. Those two. Okay. Ithamar, let's see. And David distributed them both Zadok and the sons of Eleazar and Amalek, the sons of Ithamar, according to their offices. And there was more chief men found than the sons of Eleazar than the sons of Ithamar. Eleazar had 16 sons. Ithamar had eight. That's 24 sons that are sons of Aaron. Y'all follow me? 24. From, so Ithamar, 16. Now, Eliezer, 16, Ithamar had eight. Okay, now follow me here. There were thus, okay, this is him dividing up the temple service. They cast lots. Okay, there's 24 sons, and each son carried a week of service. So you got 24 weeks, 24 weeks. A course is a week. The first lot came forth to Jerob, Jehoab. Now, when they set up the temple and in, in this last tabernacle, a course is a week. Okay, you with me? The first lot, the first son, there's 24, 24 weeks in all. And then it rotates again, then it rotates again, then it rotates again. And as these sons had sons and these sons had sons, there's, all, there's 24 courses total. And they were all named after these, six, these, tw- these 24 sons of Aaron. So the first course which was the first week of April, Jehoram did all the temple service, burning the incense inside the inner court. Only the high priest was allowed outside. The second court, Jediah, the second course. Course number two, Jehiah, that's week number two. Their calendar starts in April. You have to remember that. That's why I've got it starting in April. The Jewish calendar starts in April. One more verse real quick. Let me back here. Verse 31 of chapter 23, and to offer burnt sacrifices to the Lord in the Sabbaths, in the new moons, and set feasts by number. He gave Moses specific dates. David said, okay, David, the Lord allowed David to change those dates to the new moon. That's why this year, instead of uh, the Feast of Tabernacles being in mid-October, it was the last week of September, because the new moon for the month of October was the last week of September. So every year, whenever the new moon is, that's when they do Passover. That's when they do the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's when they do all of their feasts. The new moon of the month that the, that the feast falls on. So we are here at the third course, Haram. Okay, it goes on all the way through the, the courses. I'm going to stop at the eighth. On Passover, all the priests, all 24 courses serve. On, on the major holidays, the major feasts, the major feasts that God has called out, they all serve. So those weeks are skipped as far as individual assigned. So we're going to work down to the eighth. First week, second week, third week, fourth week, they all course. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. The eighth course, look at this. And the seventh course was the Hekaz, the eighth to Abiah. Okay, so if you follow me close, the eighth course is the course of Abiah. That's where we are right here. I'll get back to this chart in a minute. So he's serving on really the, the, the tenth week of the year because there's two weeks there during Passover and the feast. 
that all courses serve. So now we're going back to Luke real quick, and then we'll get into the, to the miracle. Okay. Let's start back in chapter. Do y'all, I hope y'all understand that. I'm talking, talking fast. Luke 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah, of the course of Abiah. He was working in the course of Abiah, which was the son of Eliezer. Okay? Which through generation after generation after generation after generation. Now, Zacharias is of the sons of Aaron, but his father was Abiah, which was one in the eighth course. And his w- wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They walked both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord, blameless. Didn't mean say sinless, blameless. They were running that temple and they were running, they were, they, they were running their lives like God wanted them to run it. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were now well stricken in years. Doesn't say how old they were, but I'm going to briefly run over this here. There's three places, maybe four, that well stricken in age, God gave names to the people that were done that. Abraham was a hundred years old when he had Isaac. Sarah was 90. And they were both well stricken in age. You can look at those uh, in Genesis chapter 17, 15 through 19. I'm not going to split there for the sake of time. So when you look at well stricken in age, there's several things you can look at. You could do when the, when the women finished their menstrual cycles and they were no longer, they were, they were beyond the age of childbearing. Either way, that the age doesn't matter. It was still a miracle. I would like to put it on that when well-stricken in age, they were old and well-stricken. I would like to, in my own heart, think, hey, she's she's she. They're both 80s, 90s. It will get a little funny with it here in a minute. They're, okay, verse seven. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now was well-stricken in age, in years. And it came to pass that while he executed his priest's office. Before God, in the order of his course, there we go again, he's in that eighth course. According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple. The whole multitude of the Jews, of the people, were praying without at the time of incense. Okay, you got to keep in mind, the entire nation of Israel, they call it a holy convocation. When you read the holy convocation in scriptures, that's mean. that means when... All of the Jews have to migrate to this area to celebrate the feast. That's why wherever Paul was, when it comes time for Passover, he left overseas and came right back and did, and did service and, and honored the, the Passover. So the whole nation was outside of the uh, tabernacle at that point. Temple here, I'm sorry. Temple had been built. We're in Luke. And so they were out there. So he was inside. Keep in mind, nobody could go inside that inner court but priest. Nobody could go inside the second veil but the high priest. So here's Zacharias doing his course by himself running the temple. And can you imagine what, what he said? He's, you know, because no man can come in that inner court behind that veil. Number one, if they weren't a priest, but number two, outside of their course, or God would strike them dead. So here's, here's Zacharias. And came to pass while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to his custom, the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. The whole multitude of the people were praying at the time of incense. 
And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now here he is, burnt. all of a sudden he sees somebody else in there. Why ain't you dead? What is this all about? And fear fell on him because he instantly knew it had to be God. It had to be the hand of God. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. Why was he troubled? Because he knew couldn't nobody be in there but him at that point. Fear fell on him. And the angel said to him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Okay, this is, this is really cool when you're in our own prayer lives. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And he shall, thou shalt have great joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. But the part to get, the angel said unto Zacharias, Fear not, thy prayer is heard. He's thinking, what prayer? I'm 80 years old. I'm prayed out. Don't you know when he was in his 20s, in his 30s, in his 40s, he said, oh God, give me a child. Oh God, and Sarah, oh Lord. Lord, give us a kid, just one. That's all we want is one. And they prayed 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 and the years snuck on and he said, well, I'm giving up on that. Don't never give up on your prayers. God's time. God comes through. But I'm sure their faith went weak, like all of us. You get tired of praying. You, you realize he ain't going to answer that. I'm going to just, I'm not going to, I'm not just not going to do that. God's not, he's showing to me by not answering. He's not going to answer that. But here it is now. He's, as 50, 60 years have gone by. He's well beyond praying. He understands the childbearing years for us is over. God's not going to answer that in his own heart. Okay. So that's a miracle in itself. For God to sit there and tell him, your prayer's finally heard. Yeah, it's time. It was my time, not yours. Your prayer is heard. And he's thinking, what prayer? So telling them, talking to the angel. For he shall be great, this is verse 15, in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Now, he took the Nazarene vow, and I'm not going to get into that right there, but that's what that's all about. He's ordained to be, to take the Nazarene vow. That's, we'll get into that another time. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord, their God, and they shall go, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, that's Elijah, and turn their hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto him, the angel, whereby shall I know this? Basically what he's saying is, I'm too old for any of this stuff. This ain't going to happen. His mouth, his heart, his words begin to provoke God with doubting. And here an angel sitting here telling him he's going to have a king. He said, that ain't happening. I, I, I've been praying for that for a long time ago. That ain't happening. What did the angel do? And angel answered and said, I'm Gabriel that stand before the presence of God. And I'm sent to speak unto thee and to show you these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believe not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. He didn't want him all down, mealy mouth down in the dumps and, 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 and downing. He doesn't understand that. Zacharias, you're just a vessel for the Lord's work. My Father in heaven, the holy God of Israel, is coming to perform and send Jesus Christ. This is the beginning of it. 
This is the forerunner. And it's already ordained. And you're not going to stop it because you don't believe. Okay. Verse 21. And the people waited out, waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned on them and, re- and he, and remained speechless. Okay. Here's, I'm going to make it a little funny here if you can follow me on this. And it came to pass as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months. Now, can you see him? Ninety years old. Comes out the temple. He opens the door and gives his wife that look. She says, no. Get her kick. No, Zach. I'm a hundred. No. He's looking at <laughs> I mean, you got to picture it. I mean, you got to figure they're, 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 they're aged. They're well stricken in years and he busting that door. <laughs> she knows the look. I think anyway. I mean, I, I paraphrase a lot, but you got to figure the story in the context of it. It had to be that way. They, 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 he probably had not had an intimate relationship with her in, in, in a year. I mean, how, how many, what can you do at Dindy? You don't even think about it. I don't know. I'm not 90. I don't know. We're all adults here. I'm just making, I'm looking at the story realistically as us as people. Okay. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months. And thus the Lord had dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And here's where we begin to, 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 to see another part of this big miracle that's taken place. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and to the virgin's name was Mary. An angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee and blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Sorry, Muslims. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto him, to, unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Here's the miracle, the virgin birth. Mary wasn't questioning and doubting. What she's doing is telling, No, I'm not laying down with nobody. I'm not doing that. And the, you know, the, God, the angel had to explain to her that it's going to be coming from the, from the holy God. Nevertheless, it's your will, but, but I ain't doing none of that. You know, he, she, she kept her. Her doubt wasn't saying it won't happen. Her doubt was saying, if, if I'm going to have a kid, it's not going to be traditional. And let's see, an angel said, And fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shall bring forth his son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and be called the son of the highest, and the Lord shall give him the, the throne of his father David. 
He shall reign over his house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom be shown in. Mary said, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? How is this going to be? I'm not going to go out here into the streets. Angel said, answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and overpower thee of the high and the, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. At that point, she believed. So be it. So be it. Why me? And here's the, here's, here's, here's what verified it to Mary herself. And then I'm going to get into some, some dates with this chart and it's going to be really cool for you. Behold thy cousin Elizabeth. She hath also conceived a son in her old age. See, they're related. They're all sons of Aaron. They're all Hebrews. Thy, thy, thy cousin has, let's see, behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she has conceived a son in her old age. See, she was beyond childbearing age. If you look, look at it close, just because she was a virgin didn't mean she wasn't aged. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, no women. She, the angel is explaining to her, your cousin Elizabeth is 90 years old. Okay, the first, I'm assuming the first cousins. She has consumed in her old age. So what makes you think that you can't consume being a virgin? And behold, okay, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For God, with God shall no, nothing shall be impossible. Mary said, behold, hand, thy, the handmaid of the Lord, be it with me according to your word. He said, so be it. If, you, if that's going to happen, I ain't going out here in the street. And the angel departed her. So when he left, just look at this part of the story. Mary arose in those days and went to, the, went to the hill country with haste into a city of Judea. What she's doing is, I got to see this. My cousin Elizabeth's 90 years old. If she's six months pregnant, she's going to be showing. Now, I don't know what I've got in my belly. I don't know how long this is going to be, but I've got to see that. If I see that pregnancy, I'll know for a fact because she's way beyond childbearing years. And um, so she wrote, went with haste and Mary arose in those days and went into the hill with haste into the city of Judea and entered into the house of Elizabeth, house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And spake with a loud voice, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And from whence is, is to me, thou the mother of my Lord, she come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of a salutation was sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb. Blessed is he is she that believed, blessed is she that believed, there shall and for there shall perform be there shall be a performance of those things wherein the Lord had told her. Okay, the important part of this part of the Christmas story, all of this is happening right about the same time. Okay, when Zacharias was long about the, the last, last second, of the, the third or fourth week of June, this is when Zacharias was in that temple serving. The angel came to him and said, you're going to have a son, you're going to call his name John. So, and then he went home, Elizabeth conceived. The angel came to Mary and said, your, your cousin is six months pregnant. 
So one, two, three, four, five, six. That puts the conception of Jesus himself in Mary's womb in December. See, we celebrate Christmas in December, December 25th. The actual celebration of Christmas came from the Magi coming and giving offering gifts when Jesus was two years old, the babe. Bear with me on this. So if he was conceived, say, the last week of December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, right around Day of Atonement, right around Feast of Tabernacles, mid-October. And that's why I've always, I've been studying these feasts for a long time, why the Lord puts so much emphasis on the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't have time to talk about the Day of Atonement. That's when all forgiveness was taking place for the entire nation. Jesus Christ, when he came, he came as a sacrifice. Okay, so his birth was actually in mid-October. Right here. Mid-October in the month of Tishri. Now, they celebrate it on the new moon. Like this year was celebrated the last week of September, only because David had ordained the new moon to be when the feast, feasts were done. But if you look at... uh. Elizabeth conceived in June, six months later. That puts Jesus' conception right about the last week of December or the first week of January. Y'all follow me, right? Because the Bible specifically says, your cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant. We know he he was in the temple on the eighth course. So John, so John the Baptist was born in April. Okay. And after that, there was a, you got to look at the timetable of when Christ was actually born. Does that make sense? I mean, as far as the timetable, God won't show it all over here. I'm sorry. Uh, next, next year, I'm going to put it up here. But I'll do something different each time. So according to scripture, Zacharias was in the temple in June. And Zacharias, when he came out of the temple and went to his wife, Elizabeth, was the last week of June. And then he, the angel goes to Mary and says, your cousin is six months pregnant. So six months after that, that puts the entire birth of Christ in October, mid-October, which that is the Day of Atonement. That is the Feast of Tabernacles. I hope that sheds a little light on something. I've got a few more minutes here. Okay. Here we are. Verse 46. And Mary said, verse 46 of chapter 1, from Luke. Now see, Luke is writing, remember, keep in mind, Luke is writing to Theophilus, who could have possibly been the high priest at that time. And that's, you know, that's, he's trying, he's trying to tell him, look, I understand law, but the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is here. He came. He's, he, he is who he said he was. We were witnesses to all of this. Okay. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of a handmaid. For, for behold, then henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. I'm going to skip uh, over a little bit. And head back to the birth of John the Baptist. Because the miracle of John the Baptist himself is just, not just as big, but as as big as the birth of Christ. 
One would not have happened without the other because it was all prophecy. If the birth of John the Baptist had failed, then the Bible would be a big lie because it was prophesied in Isaiah. He would come, and this is how it would come. And, and you know, the entire Christmas story does not just involve the birth of Jesus. The forerunner of Christ set the path, and, and all these things had to be for not only for the belief system, but for the miracle power of God to be shown to all mankind. Okay, now Elizabeth's full time came and she be, she should be delivered and she brought forth a son and the neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed mercy upon her because she was in her nineties and they rejoiced with her and it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they called Zacharias after the name of his father and his mother answered and said, not so. They said, you need to name him Zach Jr. Hey, forget all that. Hey, man, you need to let's, you, you ain't talked. You need you ain't said nothing, but dip, we're gonna we're gonna name him for you. And so they're all beckoning him, coming up with all these different names and suggestions. Let's read that again. And it came to pass on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of your kindred that is called by his name. And they made signs to his father how you would have him called. Forget what she's saying. She wants to name him John. What do you want? Then his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loose. And he spake. He said, man, I ain't doubting no more. <laughs> I'm not doubting no more. His tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. And fear came on all them that dwelt around about them. And all those sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill of country of Judea. And they that heard him laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited his people, redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets which had been since the world began. So basically, John is telling them, look, the Messiah is here. The Messiah is right there in Mary. You know, she's, she's just six months behind me. He's coming. Put your trust in him, redeeming him. And then that's when the forerunner of Christ started with the birth of John the Baptist. And I'm going to have to finish before I uh, land anymore. But that's my Christmas story, my take on it this year. But uh, I do it. I've used this chart for 12 years and uh, I'm going to make a different one next time. But I've got it all. I've studied every single one of these feasts. You've got Passover, which represents the redemption where all blessings rest. Every blessing we have bless is, is based on redemption. Then, then the Feast of Unleavened Bread follows the Feast of Passover, which, is, which represents, and I went, I went into like a month and a half on every single one of these feasts, and it was, it was, I have a full understanding of it in my own self. Not that I'm anything great, but it's, it's in this Bible. That the seven-day feast after, after the feast, after Passover, represents the holy walk after redemption. Then we've got the Feast of First Fruits and the typical of a resurrection when they bring all their fruits in the very first off of their crop and off, have a Feast of First Fruits and give this. That represents the, 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 the resurrection, typical of resurrection. 
Then you got the 50 days of the first fruit offering after that. And 50 days, what happened after Christ ascended? 50 days later. Feast of Pentecost, I mean, the Pentecost, day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit came down and, and, and all those where people were saved and, but it's all, it's all here. It's all a pattern. Just the New Testament is an outline of the Old Testament because after the first fruits of resurrection, when Christ was pulled, brought up, comes the Feast of Pentecost. And the Feast of Pentecost is just falls right along to the day of Pentecost in the Old New Testament. Then you got the wave loaf offering. I'm not, I don't have time to gather all that in. You got the 10 days of God, Feast of the Trumpets, which begins in October, right before the Day of Atonement. That Feast of Trumpets, you know what, you know what I firmly believe? I, it, me. I could be dead wrong. This is just an opinion. I believe that the Lord's return or something big will happen on one of his feast days. Because, okay, the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Vast Tabernacles is the last one. Let me show one scripture, and this is why. One last scripture, and I'm going to have to close. If I can find it, in Zach, Zachariah. This is so cool for me. I mean, I've, I get my heart to this stuff. I'm telling you. This is after Christ comes. Judgment. Heaven, we come down here for the millennium. We're a thousand years down here, okay? Our rewards and our life is going to be in that millennium for a thousand years and in a little season. Where we work, what we're assigned to do, where we are, what we do, we're sitting here to govern this earth. Now, if we live like hell and, did, and, and just neglected the house and neglected the house of God and all, then we're going to be slopping hogs. But if we did all we could do, we had a prayer life, we had a Bible life, we had a church, we had, we had our life was just totally, I believe that we're going to be in charge of those hog sloppers. <laughs> but here, this is in the millennium. After all said and done, Jesus is on his throne. This one for a couple of verses here, I gotta stop. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone from all nations, which then came to about, came, came against Jerusalem and even go, will have to even go from year to year to worship the king of the Lord and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be whosoever that will not come up of all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the king, to keep the feast of tabernacles, the Lord of hosts even shall, shall be no rain on them because see, we'll still be having crops. We'll still be growing. The world will still be going on during the millennium. Just the saints will be ruling it. But uh, verse 18, and the family of Egypt that shall not go up, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite the heathen that come up not to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So forever and ever and ever, God has ordained these feasts. If he puts so much emphasis on the Feast of Tabernacles, it's the feast following the birth of Christ, if you, if, if you follow that chart. So if the birth, so it's, it's actually the Feast of Tabernacles is actually honoring the birth of our Lord Savior. Jesus Christ. That's what they're doing. They have an atonement. They have a day of atonement. They go into, they have a sacrifice. They get their sins forgiven. They come out and say rejoice. But the day of atonement for us was the cross of Calvary as Christians. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.